Someone would believe that. I can't believe someone would do that. Oh, that person, they're the head of insert political organization. They're giving their, I can't believe they're at crossroads. We need to find a better church. That's what people say. Because you have an older brother mentality. You're close, but you miss the father's heart. But you know what his problem is? His words reveal what's in his heart. You know that. That's what Jesus said. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words are a window into what's in your heart. There's more than one son in the story of the prodigal son and more than one attitude that needs to be addressed. Today, Pastor Daniel will share how the response of the older brother is a concern all members of the church need to be aware of. When you begin to let your personal preferences stop you from celebrating another's success, pride and selfishness are ready to invade your heart. Instead, join Jesus in celebrating the new life of others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 15 as he continues his message, Multiple Ways to be Lost. First, you choose to leave the presence of your Heavenly Father. And then second, by being away from Him, you ultimately squander what He's entrusted to you. Where you use the gifts and talents that He's given you, but you use them for other means. Now, I look at my own life, and I see this in my own life. Because again, like I grew up in an amazing family, but we, didn't, we weren't walking with Jesus. And so, very quickly as a young person with gifts and talents and issues and all those things, I didn't have any idea that there was a Father's house to live in. So I, I left His presence... And then I did with whatever I wanted to do. So, you know, um, I have a big mouth and I could use my big mouth for lots of things. And I've done a lot of things with my big mouth. I've hurt a lot of people and said a lot of wrong things. I have a quick wit, which means that, you know, my pastor used to say, Daniel, you have the gift of hopping the ball, which means you just go back and forth all day with with witty comments and stuff like that. And, And I would use that to hurt people. I remember when I first came to know Jesus. There was a friend of ours, her name was Sarah, and Sarah really thought that our friend Chris was really a handsome guy, but she would never tell him, and I remember one day, I was just in one of those moods, and I was just, I was like, we were all sitting there, all of our friends, I'm like, Sarah, why don't you just tell Chris you, you think he's beautiful, and I'm like, come on, we all know you dig his chili, I was just giving her a hard time, and I'll never forget it, Sarah just started to cry, because I wasn't in New Jersey anymore, so you didn't talk that way, you know? And I remember I felt so convicted of the spirit. And the Lord was like, Daniel, I've given you a mouth not to hurt your friends. And I was like, oh. But I had taken what God had given me and I was using it for all the wrong things. Right? Listen, there's some of you right now, this is where you are. You have received gifts and talents, all sorts of things from the Lord, but you have left his presence and now you're squandering it with wasteful living. Now what goes on for this guy is him squandering his resources That was his fault. But then you couple on it some situations that were outside of his control. What ended up happening was is he squandered it and then he walked right into a famine. So he lost everything he had and now there's external circumstances that are now pressing in. There's a severe famine in the land. And what you end up finding is now he's in want. And So what this young man who's been having such a great time leave out of his father's house, life of the party, everything he needs, now he's in want and nobody can help him because there's a famine. So what he ends up doing is he links himself up 
to a man who herded or shepherded, so to speak, pigs. Now, for a young Jewish man, this was the worst job ever. Pigs in that culture were considered unclean. You know, and if you like bacon, you just thank Jesus for the Jerusalem council every single day. You'll get it later. Just write that down. Just you write it down, you get it later. And so what ended up going on is for this young man, he's in such want that he's not only feeding pigs, which was completely a detestable vocation for him, but he's looking at the pods that the pigs would eat and he's lusting after that food. And listen, this shows what happens when we get away from the Lord long enough and we squander what he's given us enough. We begin to desire pig's food. And unfortunately, some of us know what this is like. Some of us know what it's like to be so far away from God and so given over to things that are so wasteful and excessive that before you know it, the pig's food looks delicious. And any of us who've been in the depths of addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've been there. We've seen that stuff where the most egregious, disgusting things look like something that would be a gift at that moment. But then all of a sudden, notice what it says, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. See, all of a sudden he came to himself. Now listen, I think there's some of you right now, you're coming to yourself right as you hear that. You're like, that's you right now. You're looking at your life and you're looking at the things that you desire and you're saying, I am desiring pig's food right now. And right now, in this moment, you realize that in your heavenly father's house, there is more than enough. And even though you've made a ton of mistakes, you know that in your father's house, there's grace and there's blessing and there's forgiveness. And I'm here to tell you, you need to come to yourself and you need to decide to come home. You're hearing this right now because God is saying, I don't want you to be away. I want you to come home. But you have to make that decision. He comes, all of a sudden, he's reminded of his father's house and what it's like in a place of peace and grace. Now, what I think is beautiful is he begins to rehearse his speech. Father, notice he says, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I've sinned against God and I've sinned in your sight. Now this is powerful because this is what sin really does. Really you sin against God and then you sin in the presence of people, right? When you realize that God is a holy God and a perfect God, you sin against God first and then because you sin against God, you sin in the presence of people. King David said almost the same thing. Psalm 51 verses one to four. When he realized what he had done, this is what he says. This is after his sin with Bathsheba. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Here's the thing, my friend. If you just stole from your parents, you sinned before your parents, but you really sinned against God. And your parents are getting the brunt of that. See, it's always vertical first. It's always about God first. And when you realize, see, this young man has good theology. He's like, I sinned against heaven, against God. And I've sinned before the eyes of my father by wasting what he's entrusted to me. See, this is, you get lost when 
you leave and you squander. Because your life is about you stewarding the gifts that God has given you. So he decides he's going to go home. Now, look at what happens, middle of verse 20. It says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here to kill it. And let us eat and be married for my son who is dead is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Here's the thing. Your return is embraced and celebrated. Your return is embraced and celebrated. See, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees about the people who were the riffraff. He's saying, listen, you get lost when you leave and squander, but when you come back... You are embraced and celebrated. See, Jesus is saying, you guys don't realize you've missed the very heart of God. Why? Because these tax collectors, they're coming back and I am embracing them and I'm celebrating the fact that they are interested in the kingdom of God again. See, this young man does not even get his whole speech out. This picture of while he was afar off, you get the picture in your mind of the father every evening sitting on the front porch of his house, looking onto the horizon, waiting for his son to come home. I know many of you who have prodigals, you know exactly what that's like. You're just waiting for the phone to ring. You're just waiting for a text message to come. You're just waiting for that child to show back up again. And this father, when he sees him at a distance, he gets up, he runs to him. In that culture, dads didn't run. It was long before the day and age of dads getting on treadmills and doing Ironmans, all that stuff. At that point, it was like dads were too regal and cool to run. But literally, this father is moved with compassion, and the son starts to get the story out, and the dad cuts him off. All of a sudden, the servants are sent scurrying. Get my son a robe, and that robe speaks of being at a place of honor. Like that robe, the distinguished guest at a feast, Got a special robe. You get this ring on your finger. The idea of authority, the idea of the signet ring that a son would have of his father's because he was part of his father's business. He put sandals on his feet. Why? Because a slave in that culture didn't have shoes. This son was so undone, he walked home barefoot. You put the sandals on his feet of a free man, and not only that, let's kill the fatted calf. Now, the fatted calf wasn't like all the other calves. The fatted calf was specifically bred for more meat so that when it was party time, they could throw down. All of this because the prodigal son has come home. But you know what's amazing? I mean, look at how the father responds here. And this is very, very much the heart of God. Because notice what he says. For this, my son was dead and is alive again, verse 24. He was lost and is found. So they made Mary. See, he never stopped being the father's son, even though he was jacked up and messed up, even though he was squandering everything, even though he didn't want to be in the father's house, he never stopped being that father's son. And that's the father heart of God, my friends. If you're away from him, if you are lost because you have left his presence, you never stopped being someone who God cares about. And when you come back, God's like, listen, let's talk about everything that just went on. And, and, and dude, have you learned your lesson? No, the simple fact that you are home brings joy to the father's heart but here's the thing the son had to come home no doubt the father tried to find out about the son but it was about the son coming home now listen you know what coming home is called in the bible it's called repentance listen to what it says acts chapter 3 verse 19 
Repent, therefore, which means turn back. That's what repentance means. Turn back and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, repentance is not what saves you. Jesus saves you. But repentance is what we do when we respond to Jesus and we embrace what Jesus has done. Notice, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come to the Lord. See, the son returned, right? And he came back to his father's house that these times of refreshing may come because the father is simply happy. So Jesus is saying, listen, when someone who's lost, when someone who's lived prodigally and squandered, when they come back, a dad rejoices. So he's saying, your issues right now are unfounded. That's what he's telling the Pharisees. And if, listen, I just want to say this. If you're here today, you're hearing this, whether on TV, radio, wherever you're hearing this, listen, if you have left the presence of God and you're squandering all that God has entrusted you, listen, all you need to do is return. Jesus has already died and rose again. Jesus has already paid the price. And I believe just like the father here has been waiting for his son to return, your father in heaven, God, the creator and sustainer of all things has been waiting for you to return. And when you return, he embraces you just as you are. He knows you're all mangled up. He knows you're, you got tattered clothes and you got blisters on your feet. You haven't taken a shower and you haven't eaten and you are lusting after pig's food. He knows all that. He embraces you just as you are. And he's like, okay, let's get this all fixed up. Now let's clean you up. We're going to feed you. We're going to get you back together again. But you have to return. Jesus won't make you return. He invites you to return. Now, but that's only part of the story. Now here's where you have that subtle shift of Jesus. Because Jesus has been dealing with the tax collectors and sinners in the eyes of the Pharisees. But look at what happens next. Look at verse 25. Now his older brother was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he, speaking of the older brother was angry and would not go in. And therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and he said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now, you know what's amazing? This parable isn't about the prodigal son. It's actually the parable of the two lost sons. Because here's what you get now. We also get lost when we stay, but we miss. We get lost when we stay, but miss. And when I say but miss, see, you know what the problem with the older brother is? He never left. He stayed, but he missed the father's heart. See, now Jesus turns. Now this parable is about the Pharisees. He's like, you know what your problem is? You're like the older brother. He's like, you have always stayed in the house of God. You have devoted your life to following the law, the Torah. You have done everything. You are the gold standard of how to be a religious person. But you miss the very heart of your father whose house you live in. Because he comes back from the field. Now, he, comes, he was working in the field. He comes back. He hears the revelry. He hears the music. He hears the dance. He grabs the What is going on? He said, man, your brother's home. And your dad is so excited that your brother's home that he killed the fatted calf. And notice, the older brother, is he happy? 
No, it says he's angry and he refused to go in. Now, you know what's amazing? The picture of the father is amazing. He went out to go greet the prodigal son who's returning. Now he's got to go out and he's got to meet with the self-righteous religious brother who won't come into the party. Brothers and sisters, listen, if you ever doubted that God is a God on the move, this parable reminds us God's always been a missionary God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God went after them. Jesus came because God is a missionary God. Because God is interested in seeking the lost. Jesus didn't say, listen, I'm going to do this from heaven. He came to earth. And listen, Jesus comes after you. Now, if you are the prodigal, he runs and he embraces you. But listen, for many of us in church, we got to be honest. This is some of us. Where it's like, oh yeah, you guys, Crossroads, you make such a big deal about people giving their life to Jesus. I mean, when you make a big deal about us, we've been walking with Jesus forever. Hey, big brother. I had someone a couple months back. They said, you know, Pastor, we love Crossroads, but you know, that altar call at the end of service, it's like, how often do we need to see that? I'm like, every single week? Well, we don't need that. No, you don't, but a lot of people do. But you see how quickly it happens. It's like, well, why do they celebrate for them? They're like, well, I've been walking with Jesus here for, for 50 years. I mean, why don't you celebrate for me? No, listen, this is about that religious spirit that takes hold. Because listen, if Satan can't get you to be lost when you leave the presence of God and squander, when you get found, then he wants you to stay but miss God's heart. That's what he wants you to do. God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. And Satan hates you. He's got a plan for your life too. Satan's plan for somebody who already knows Jesus is to make him like the older brother. Where you're close, but you're missing the father's heart. This is happening within the body of Christ as it relates to politics. Now, I know every time I talk about politics, I offend you guys. And that's why I keep doing it. Because subtlety is not a gift that God has given me. But listen, your faith should drive the way you hold your politics. Everyone has their politics, right? But you should hold your politics as a follower of Jesus where you love your enemy. Where you remember a house divided against itself can't stand. So no matter how aggravated you get about what's going on on either side of the aisle, and newsflash, there are people on both sides of the aisle here at Crossroads, okay? No matter how aggravated you get, your aggravation only furthers the divide. It is not reconciliatory. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Anything that you're doing that's not reconciliatory is against the gospel. Make sense? But it's real easy to be the older brother, isn't it? I can't believe someone would believe that. I can't believe someone would do that. Oh, that person, they're the head of insert political organization and they're giving their, I can't believe they're at crossroads. We need to find a better church. That's what people say. Because you have an older brother mentality. You're close, but you miss the father's heart. But you know what his problem is? His words reveal what's in his heart. You know that. That's what Jesus said. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words are a window into what's in your heart. And that's horrifying, right? You're like, okay, that's what's in my heart. The way he speaks to his father tells everything about what's going on with the older brother. Notice what he says here. He says, first, it says, lo, I have these many years, verse 29, I have been serving you. Now that word serving in the Greek is literally the word douloi, which means I've been slaving in your field. So he's like, all of these years I've been slaving for you. And you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. He's like, I have been faithful to serve every single week at church. I've been faithful to follow you. And you never gave me even something small for my friends. But notice, as soon as this son of yours, notice he doesn't call him his brother. He's like, that son of yours who wasted everything. See, the problem with this 
older brother is first, he thinks God doesn't take care of him, right? Because he feels that he hasn't been given what he's, here's what I'll tell you. You know you're self-righteous when you feel like people aren't treating you the way that you deserve to be treated. You want to know when you're self-righteous, right? As you think they're not treating me the right way. That is pride. Okay. Everyone stop for a second. Breathe. I'm going to say this again. Because I realized a bunch of us just got shell-shocked when I said that. Listen, you know you are being self-righteous when you feel like people aren't treating you the way that you deserve. You know how I know? Because our Lord Jesus got crucified. And he received it willingly. Self-righteousness is on the other end of you stamping your feet, getting mad that you didn't get treated the way that you deserved. I want you to let that marinate because I know that's like a... We all feel like we don't get treated the way we deserve. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's why you're all here at church. We're a bunch of sinners in need of a savior. Amen. That's why I believe in Jesus. When you feel like you're not getting treated or getting the, what you deserve, that's where you can see the self-righteousness in your life. Right? And then he says, he doesn't even realize. See, what happens? This is how Satan uses religion. He makes you think that those people are not part of what God may want to do. Right? It's a depersonalization of a group of people. Now, listen, the body of Christ does this really good still today, doesn't it? You think that someone, because of something, can never be the recipient of God's grace. They've made too many mistakes. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible teaches, I'll read it to you, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, it's not of works lest anyone should boast. You want to hear the good news of Jesus? doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your habits are. If you come to Jesus, Jesus has already taken that punishment for that sin on the cross in his own body that no matter how you come to him, he will forgive you with all that you are and that he will transform your life without any qualifications. That's what it says. Now, once you say yes to Jesus, he begins changing your life. So all those things you did when you showed up, he's going to start working all that garbage out of your life as well. Jesus is real. You may have lived your whole life following God and serving him well, just as the older brother had in today's message. However, like him, you too could have missed Jesus' heart and passion. Pastor Daniel encouraged you today to not let selfishness and pride cloud how you view others. Embrace those who are lost and welcome them into the family of God that you've known so well for so long. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere.
Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel asks you to think about what gifts God has given you. He'll also ask you to determine how you're using those gifts. God made you exactly the way you are to serve a unique purpose in this world, and He's equipped you with exactly what you need to accomplish it. Use what you've been given to serve your Creator and do it with all that you have in honor of all He's done for you. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Legends. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.